Blog Talk Radio. From the studio of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beetle. We're coming at you live, and I'm your host, John Spoolis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another segment of Sports Beat Radio Talking Sports for this Thursday program, the 25th day of May, 20. 23 as we close in now on supposedly the official start of summer and that is the memorial day weekend hope all of your plans uh go well for you uh wherever you may be the actual official time of summer is not until uh right around the 20th or so of june so uh festivities start summer is a short time and for those of you who like it enjoy our show today is a, a show that has disturbed me for quite a while, and uh, I did, decided to do the show because it's happened again and uh, continues to happen in our kind of wacky world that we live in, and that is the meddling parents and violence in youth sports. And uh, it's something that needs to be taken care of. You know, it seems to me, and I don't know if you agree, but it seems to me that we have a lot of people in high positions in America, administrators and mayors and governors and senators and congressmen, politicians, whatever, that can't seem to know what the hell they're doing for the most part. You know, nobody has answers. And it was an interesting thing, and I'm not taking political sides, you know, with Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any of these people, but, you know, when people were Back during the pandemic when people were destroying statues and tearing them down and, uh, you know, in some case defecating on them and spray painting them, Donald Trump decided that he would make it a felony for anybody taking down a statue, and suddenly it stopped. And so those are the kinds of efforts that it takes to curtail evil and negativism. And one of the things that bothers me is that the people of authority tend to not understand what it takes to upright the boat. Uh, for instance, you know, you have uh, three accidents at an intersection, and then you have an accident, and God forbid somebody gets killed, and they decide to put a light up, a traffic light. But it costs a person's life to be able to do it. And it seems to me that the situation with youth sports, and I was at a uh, lacrosse uh, situation uh, with uh, kids playing a tournament and uh, down near Atlantic City over the weekend. And, uh, you know, once again, uh, the ugliness of parents have, uh, you know, reared its head. Um, 
I don't know who's worse, mothers or fathers. I think it's kind of equal. Uh, I had coached my two uh, sons uh, many years ago in Little League and basketball, soccer, uh, and uh, I always thought that I had things under control and well-organized. Uh, I had a team meeting upon the first practice. I gave everybody, this was before cell phones and uh, even email. That's how long ago it was. But, uh, you know, I had uh, contacts. They could contact me. I laid out what we were doing, the the, uh, the goal of me coaching, and uh, basically, uh, you know, started out like most coaches don't do, and that's why there's problems, started out uh, professionally. And I remember coaching a Little League game uh, one time where my son was in it, and my wife was in the stands, and uh, she told me after the game that they had called me, the parents, particularly the mothers, had called me every name in the book. Uh, you know, look at him, he thinks he's something else and this and that, and he doesn't know what he's doing and he's this, and this is after I had the meeting. And so we have a lot of vicious people in the, in the world who like to ostracize everyone else. Uh, officials in youth sports are dwindling. Uh, most officials today are making between 50 and $75 a game, and it's not unheard of for an official to do maybe five, six games a day. You can make a pretty good salary, but there's not too many people that want to do it. Why? Because they're all being abused. Uh, there was a situation several years ago in Framington, Massachusetts, where a father uh, of, uh, of a, his son playing hockey disagreed with a decision that cost them the game on a penalty, and he killed the official in the parking lot. There's been uh, situations where I've seen, where I've coached, uh, where one of the opposing players was running out of bounds and one of the parents tried to break his fall. And one of the other parents of the kid came over and started to uh, push the guy around and tell him, you know, leave him, don't ever touch my son, do this, do that. So we have a lot of people uh, in the world, and I'm not sure, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's not a majority, but we have a lot of people who are angry. And they take it out on everyone else. And so we need teeth into these laws uh, that govern youth sports. Because I know, for one, I'm a little tired of seeing it. And I'm sure, uh, you know, we had a situation in soccer one time where we played a team in our home field. And they were from an affluent town. Everybody was pretty wealthy. They all drove Mercedes and everything. And there was this guy there who uh, apparently was a little bit inebriated. And uh, he was ranking on everybody in our town. Yeah, you know, you guys, you know, you, you, know, you, you people from this town, you this and that. And uh, what he needed was probably a good kick in his ass. But he actually ruined, and he kept it up, and he kept it up all, all the time. And so one of the problems we have in America is that our youth are failing, and the main reason, and I can outline it very well, is because we have moronic parents uh, who really don't get involved in their kids or think their kids are special. I don't know how many times I've heard on the sidelines, uh, when my son gets a scholarship to so-and-so, uh, lady – I can tell you this, your chances of getting a scholarship are about as good as winning the lottery, and it may not even be that high. Uh, people don't understand the documentation of a scholarship. Schools do not give them out like they give out, uh, you know, free soda. And the chances of your kid getting there is minute. You know, Bobby Orr, the great uh, defenseman of the uh, Boston Bruins years ago, they wrote a book, and it's a great book. I mentioned it before. 
And his father gave him advice. He said, go out and have fun. That's what I want you to do. So Bobby, you know, young Bobby Orr, who was already demonstrating great talents before he would sign a contract with the Boston Bruins uh, in the 60s, uh, said, well, you know, what about this if I do pro? What if I go here? What if I go to the juniors? And, and his father said, well, we'll worry about that if you get there. He said, for now, just go out and have fun. Make friends. Uh, learn the game. Learn camaraderie. Learn respect. And it was the greatest advice that Bobby Orr said his father gave. But we're not seeing that today. We're seeing, you know, all and, – and some of the – a lot of parents are still like that. It's always a minority of idiots out there who like to, uh, you know, put in their negativism. And uh, most parents, you know, want to see their kids have fun and just be able to learn and get exercise and so forth. But instead of leading, parents are bringing violence – to youth sports, and some parents are ruining it, certainly, for everyone else. So, you know, when we look at it, when you research the story, you know, I had attended uh, different uh, games over the years, and I witnessed parents barking instructions to their daughter while the coach was drawing up plays, and, you know, imagine what would happen if the coach turned around and told the parent to chill. I, I had a guy, uh, was uh, I always tried to avoid him on our soccer team, I wasn't coaching then. My son was my youngest son was older, playing on a traveling team. And this guy, his name was Mike, and he was a real pain in the ass. And he was always around me. And he would yell at the officials. He would actually verbally put down the parents on the other side, and he would start coaching. He would start coaching his own kid. His, his kid's name was Mike, and his kid was you know marginal talent. He wasn't great, but he was okay. And he would be yelling to his co uh, to his son and the coach over who had great experience who uh, unfortunately had passed away the last few years ago, um, barked instructions across the field. He said, Mike, stop coaching. And at one point, Mike, uh, at different uh, levels of the game, uh, Mike was actual, uh, actually thrown out of the game by officials. And so what happens is these parents take over the situation with their kids uh, thinking that their kids are going to be the next, uh, you know, Jim Thorpe. So lately it appears that parents and coaches have become more brazen when it comes to inciting violence. Uh, when you look at it, uh, I've seen racial slurs. And so for some, winning is everything, even if the enemies are made along the way. And reading everything you could on youth sports, um, you think we're dealing with something more than just a few parents who utilize youth sports to live vicariously through their kids and who routinely obliterate boundaries as if they never existed. The Dallas Morning News at one point reported that the shooting death earlier in the month of Mike Hickman, a Dallas-area youth football coach at the hands of uh, Yaquib Talib, the older brother, if that sounds uh, familiar, the older brother of NFL uh, Denver Bronco uh, cornerback uh, Talib Aquib, took place after a late touchdown was scored during a scrimmage featuring nine-year-old players. And the Talib brothers, who run the North Dallas United Bobcats, are well-known figures within the Dallas area youth football scene in an area that routinely churns out NFL talent like Tim Brown, Richmond Webb, Jesse Armstead, Matthew Stafford, and Von Miller. Witnesses told the Dallas area media outlet that Equib instigated the fight that led to the shooting by 
confronting the referees and throwing a punch at Hickman, who was later shot by uh, the elder Talib, later turned himself into local law enforcement and now faces murder charges. And this is, you know, happening all around. So youth sports, especially in marginalized communities, are historically organized as a tool to keep children engaged and most importantly out of trouble. But poverty makes people angry, bitter, and distressed. And those who achieve the level of wealth after tough circumstances never want to experience that again. And some parents are awful and vile people. And if a parent thinks the coach is impeding their child's chances of being seen by top high schools uh, with inroads to top colleges, they may uh, act out. And, you know, one of the things that has to happen, I think, is that we need to have teeth in the things that violate our circumstance. And what I mean by that, and I just described it, you know, with Donald Trump making it a felony punishable by prison and fines to destroy a statue. And when he did that, it stopped. That's because we have leaders who have no balls. They have no chutzpah, as the uh, Jewish people say. They have no charisma. They have no tact. So what do we do in youth sports? Well, for the last several years, uh, youth sports has asked parents to participate to keep costs down. So, for instance, you would give the team a check. Usually there's a person in charge, uh, anywhere from 50 to $75. You write out the check to the team, to the, to the league, actually. And uh, if you... Uh, volunteer and they usually ask you to volunteer twice whether that be you know doing directing traffic in the parking lot or uh, helping out in the kitchen or helping uh, line the field and get the field ready whatever uh, so once that's done and you do it you would be uh, they would void your check if you don't do it you decide well the hell with it I'm not going to do it then they would cash your check and it would go to the league now whether that's constitutional or lawful, it's another story. But why not do the same thing with parents now who have to give a monetary value at the beginning of the season in case of bad behavior? Now, I've seen instances where uh, referees and umpires in youth sports have thrown people out and they haven't left. Police were actually called. So we need things with teeth in them. We need elected officials, commissioners of leagues, and so forth to say, look, we're not going to tolerate this. And this has been going on for years. I just saw it again uh, last weekend in a, in a uh, lacrosse with my grandson in a lacrosse uh, situation, tournament, where, you know, parents and the majority of them are, are very cool. You know, they're supporting the team and they're supporting – uh, I know I was there, and there was a kid on the opposing team who was a, a young uh, African-American kid, was a great lacrosse player. He scored five goals. I went up and, and congratulated him after. He kind of looked at me oddly because he wasn't used to that. But that's the way it should be. You know, we should be encouraging, not discouraging. We should be building, not wrecking. And I think when you uh, hit people in the pocketbook, that's the best situation to make them understand what has to happen uh, for their behavior. And so uh, the, the situation could be, for instance, uh, if you are reprimanded, you're thrown out of the game, 
you uh, are liable for that money that you have deposited. If you are thrown out a second time and cause a problem, you are removed from the league along with your child. Now, people say, well, that's pretty harsh. Well, you have to have teeth and things. It's, it's too bad that the kid has to suffer, but maybe the parent who's supposed to be the guardian of the child will understand and give his child uh, direction as to his misgivings. I always, as a parent, told my kids when I made a mistake, and I've made plenty of them. And so, you know, people have to sometimes be hit in the purse and in the wallet to understand the situation. And yet it goes on because these commissioners, these people that run the leagues, do nothing. And officiating is at an all-time low. I don't care that they're paying 50 or $75 for a 45-minute or an hour game. People don't want to do it because they don't want to be abused. Uh, there's been situations where officials have had things thrown at them. I mentioned the situation where my wife was in the stands and these uh, women on the team that I really didn't even know I knew they were the parents of certain players who were, you know, just downtrotting me all over the place. I had, they had no reason to do it. I made a very good effort to be organized. Uh, I showed the kids how the proper mechanics of pitching and, uh, you know, bunting and sliding, and we did all of those things. Half the coaches there didn't even, didn't even know that. Now everybody's certified, so it's a little different. And so this universality... It reminds me, and I hate to bring it up, but it reminds me of uh, the Nazi party, you know, this, this universality that they felt they had with the Aryan race. You know, we're going to create this blonde-haired, blue-eyed race, and we're going to lead the world, and we're going to take power, and we're going to eliminate people we don't like because we're special, we're universal. And look what happened in the 1938 Olympics. Jesse Owens blew everybody away, a black American. And Hitler went back to his uh, headquarters in disgrace. Even though Germany won most of the medals, I believe they won 89 medals that year, uh, they still didn't win in the major events in track, which was, at the time was really what the Olympics was about, and probably still is. And so it always amazes me that administrators and politicians senators, congressmen, they never have the answers to things. You know, a, a, a perfect example was this situation a few years ago of transgendered bathrooms. Now, we live in a society, whether we like it or not, we've seen tremendous change over the last several years uh, where we have accepted certain situations. Not all of us have accepted it, but we've learned to live with it uh, of the world's change, where, you know, gay people and lesbian, homosexual people and, uh, you know, minority people and so forth all live in harmony. And that's agreed upon. Everybody should be able to do that. But they had this problem with transgendered bathrooms, and there was a lot of flack. You know, women said, I don't want my kid in that bathroom, and men said, I don't want my kid in this bathroom. And so the, the logical move would have been to have stalls. They're cheaper to make, and you have on there, and I've seen it, you know, where they have a, a, a figure of a man wearing pants on the door, and it says men, and then they have a figure of a woman with a dress, and then they'll have, believe it or not, they'll have a figure of somebody with a half dress and half pants. 
little hard to, you know, it's a little hard to understand that having grown up, you know, all through the 60s, but uh, those are the times. And so, you know, you have a trans bathroom now that the trans people can use. Case closed. Now, what are you going to do, bar them from going to the bed? You can't do that. We live in a society where we're supposed to, and biblically, we're supposed to love. And societal, we're supposed to help. But, you know, this went on and on and on. And the debate still goes. So, you know, and I bring that up because it was a major issue. I don't bring it up because I'm supporting or non-supporting trans people. That's not the point. The point is that they deserve to be able to uh, go into a laboratory in peace. And so this way, everybody is taken care of. It seems logical, but they never did that. Now they're starting to come around to it. You do see uh, different bathrooms for different uh, genders. And so the same thing in youth sports should be able to happen. And that is, there has to be teeth from administrators and commissioners who run the league. The first time, okay, you are liable for the money that you've put down. Now, there are people who say, well, you know, if you do that, a lot of people aren't going to join. Uh, they'll join anyway because they, they have to um, pay that fee uh, for volunteering, as I uh, outlined a few minutes ago. So, you know, what's another $50 when youth sports is already expensive? You know, and so uh, you would penalize them financially, and if it continues a second time, you would be barred from playing in that league. You know, and people say, well, that's not fair to to the kid. No, it, it may not be. The kid wasn't the reason, but the parent is responsible for the child. And, uh, you know, we need to step up in America and realize that if we have children, we are responsible for their actions. They are a uh, microcosm of us. You know, show me a kid that's angry and show me a kid that's uh, uh, bigoted and prejudiced, and I'll show you a parent that's probably that way. You know, show me a kid that's kind and loving and, uh, you know, uh, caring about someone else before they care about themselves. I'll show you a parent that's probably like that. But we're not all like that, and we're slipping really as a society because we're putting sports first. Uh, My wife is a math teacher, and she said the grades are appalling. I was afraid not to do my homework when I went to school in the 60s. Teachers could actually paddle you then, and I had a – my rear end is lopsided because of it. I got paddled regularly by every teacher you could think of for whatever reason. But we were afraid, I was afraid to go to school if I didn't have my homework done. Not to mention my military father, my lieutenant commander father, had when he was home and you didn't, he found out you didn't do it, there was hell to pay. And even my mother was like that. Today, my wife tells me that she sends out texts to uh, parents, they don't even answer. They're too busy with their own careers. They're too busy doing whatever they want to do. And not all parents are like that, but the majority of them uh, that she teaches in her uh, math class are like that. The parents don't even care. So if the parents don't care, why would the kids care? And so they come into school, oh, wait, uh, do you have your home? No, I didn't do it. Oh, I, I had baseball practice. You know, but we're, we're, we're a country now that's obsessed with sports. And, hey, we're a sports radio show, and I love sports. But it's a game. It doesn't come first. 
There's only uh, less than 2% of people that actually make it to a pro level. You know, when you go to these minor league baseball games and you see this person and that person, uh, there's probably two people a year on that team that will have any chance to make the pros. It's not a very high percentage. And so then what happens? All right, so you made a career out of trying to get into sports, and now you don't have an education. Education should always come first. And that's the way it should be, and that's the way it always was. And that's why we're failing in a lot of areas in our country. Uh, you know, we're being told what to do uh, by people that don't know what to do. And so the situation, and I, and I bring all these things up not to circumvent the, the story or the, or the uh, subject that we're talking about, but I'm talking about um, a situation that needs to have teeth. You know, we talked about various things happening within sports and, and uh, within the society, how it needs to make things correct so that everybody can enjoy a situation. And so uh, putting teeth in the subject of youth sports meddling violent parents. You know, it was an inter incident a few years ago in California. I don't remember if it was a Dodger game or a, a Giants game because um, there's, I believe, what, three teams in California. Uh, and I uh, remember that uh, the father, he had a 10-year-old son, and he was wearing the jersey of the visiting team, and uh, two guys uh, got into an argument with him, and they ended up killing him. They beat him to death right in front of his son. Now, that's fan violence. That's a, that's a whole different story. And I can tell you this, and it's interesting, and I don't mean to put sports down, and I'm not putting people down, but some of the most vile people that you can meet go to games, sports fans. Their mouths are foul. They don't give a crap what they say. They don't care. I had a, a season tickets to the Eagles many years ago at the vet in the 700 level, which was uh, notorious for all kinds of things because security never came up there. And I had brought my sister at one point and, uh, to the game, and this guy uh, came, upstairs, uh, came up to my sister with a fake phallus, a rubber phallus, and was waving it in front of her face and saying, this is what we're going to do to Dallas because Dallas uh, was there then. Dallas and Philadelphia have always been rivals, particularly then. And then later, you know, we saw him fall down the steps, drunk out of his mind. I mean, these are the kinds of people, not, and not everybody's like that. I'm not saying everybody, but there's people. We need teeth in our societal endeavors to keep people like that out. You're going to come and you're going to watch the game like everybody else, fine. You're going to cause trouble, your ass is out of there and you're not coming back. And I have to give uh, Jeffrey Lurie a lot of credit, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if he still does it. I haven't heard. But in the past, before the vet was uh, erected, uh, at the, there were a lot of problems at the, or excuse me, at the um, Lincoln Financial before that was, uh, they played their games at the Veterans Stadium. And there were a lot of problems there. And Jeffrey Lurie uh, had people arrested and he had a judge in a small chamber within the stadium. He brought you, they brought you in, uh, and uh, you faced charges for uh, you know, whatever you did. Somebody, uh, some vulgar person uh, got angry at somebody and actually stuck his finger down his throat and threw up on one of the uh, fans. 
and he was brought they were all brought to justice jeffrey laurie said well, i'm not running a, a circus here we're running a franchise and we want people to come and have fun and i think more owners have to do that we live in a society where people think they can do whatever they want you know i live in a neighborhood like that for the 30 some years i've been here i live next to a person that you know does whatever he wants makes noise uh, you know, builds uh, forts for his kids in a Green Acres referendum in back of our house because it's uh, you're not supposed to build back there. Has his kids running four wheelers back there, revs up uh, you know four wheelers outside at 11 o'clock. People who have parties across the street park all over the place, blocked by mailbox. That's the kind of society we live in, and the problem is is that it's a minority of people, and they need to have. Uh, they need to have teeth in laws that protect us from that kind of outrageousness. So, you know, that's a look kind of like what uh, I thought uh, of youth sports and, and where it's at, some of the ideas of how we can rectify the bad apples that take place in particularly youth sports. It's uh, getting out of hand, and I just have one word of advice to parents. The chances of your kid getting to the pros is very, very, very minute. You may have a better chance of winning the lottery. So uh, buckle up and, uh, and realize that before you take it out on everybody else on the field. Well, that'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports, where we're talking about the meddling parents and violence of youth sports and what to do about it. Hopefully we outline some of the uh, scenarios to correct it. Sports Beat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio. And until tomorrow, all of you have a great day, a great Memorial Weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody.